0: Our sermon for the week of February 25, 2024, the second Sunday in Lent, is taken from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38, and the theme of the sermon is, first the cross, then the crown. From Mark chapter 8, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the experts in the law, be killed, and after three days rise again. He was speaking plainly to them. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But after turning around and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God, but the things of men. He called the crowd and his disciples together and said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of the Lord. What did you expect when you became a Christian? What did you expect that Christian life to be? Did you expect it to be easy? Did you think you'd be getting your way often? Probably not. But we find ourselves questioning God's will at times, don't we? Maybe we don't say it with our words, but we get frustrated when things don't go our way. And so we go to God's word with a question. Why is there suffering? in the life of a Christian. This section, it falls right in between Peter declaring his faith that Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus taking three of his disciples up the mountain of transfiguration to see his glory. Jesus begins teaching his disciples here that he must suffer, die, and rise. This is a summary of God's plan of salvation. This is the good news of the gospel in a nutshell. But I want to talk a little bit more about that word must. Jesus has used it before. He stated that he must go to Jerusalem. And now he's saying he must suffer, die, and rise. That word must comes with a sense of duty. I remember back in 2001 after the terrorist attacks at the World Trade Center, a lot of people, especially young men, felt it their duty to enlist and defend their country but this word must also comes with a sense that what is about to be done is not necessarily pleasant. Maybe you've been invited to a wedding that you really didn't want to attend, and those words, I have to, came out of your mouth. We see these two qualities of must in Jesus here. The suffering, death, and resurrection that Jesus came to fulfill was certainly duty and The night before in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus expresses that he's not looking forward to going to his death. For Jesus, his will is aligned with the Father. His duty is to deny himself every sinful pleasure offered up to him during his life and be crushed with a death that would press down on him with all the weight of the world. He tells his disciples these things because he wants them to be warned but will the warning carry any weight? The answer to that question seems to be answered right away. Peter pulls him aside to rebuke him. Now understand, Peter had just called Jesus the Savior. He seemingly knows exactly who Jesus is, but he still thinks he knows better than Jesus. But before we try to beat Peter up too badly, let's think about how many times we've thought we know better than God. We think we know better how we should prioritize our time, often thinking of time in God's word with our Savior as a drain on our batteries instead of a recharge. We certainly think we know better than God when it comes to what is good and bad. Sometimes we might even feel a little embarrassed of what God's word teaches. Trying to explain it away when he hands us a difficult truth instead of humbling ourselves under that truth. And we think we know better than God when it comes to how our plans should turn out. Even when it comes to Jesus' cross, we sometimes think we know better. Why a savior from sin? Why not a savior from natural disasters or from corrupt bosses and leaders or or from family strife? Let's be honest. We spend more time worried about these things than what will happen to our eternal souls. There are a lot of times where we, like Peter, would rather hear less about Jesus' suffering and death and more about how Jesus ought to shape our lives to be easier and more pleasurable to live. But Jesus rebukes Peter. And in rebuking Peter, doesn't he also rebuke us? Get behind me, Satan. Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God, but the things of men. A harsh criticism for a harsh sin. Peter does not know it. But his idea of what Jesus ought to be and do aligns perfectly with what the devil wants Jesus to be and do. If only Jesus were an earthly leader. Then he could sit on a judge's throne and work out all the unfairness in society. Then people could get whatever they deserved. If only his focus was on the problems I think are most important. Then he could make sure that that I had enough money to buy whatever I wanted, keep sicknesses away from me at all times, and make sure that people treated me well. And then, at the ripe age of 80 or 90, let me die and go to hell. What a loving savior that would be. I hope you can sense the sarcasm in my tone not knowing what he's doing. This is the kind of life Peter is advocating for himself. This is the kind of life our short-sighted wills wish for ourselves. And this is the kind of life the devil wants for each and every one of us. Pleasure on earth, pain with him forever in hell. Thankfully, Jesus tells Peter to stand down so he can do the work that needs to be done. What Jesus is going to do is not going to look all that glamorous in the moment. It'll look heinous. It'll look stupid. But he must do it. He must bear the cross. Peter, though, had sinned publicly. He had tried to hold Jesus back from saving him. And so, to combat Peter's public insubordination, Jesus gathers the disciples and the crowd together and tells them something about themselves. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What are our crosses? And this is the first question that we really have to cover, isn't it? Because it's too simple for us to say any suffering we endure is our cross. Maybe a better definition of the cross Jesus is talking about here is this the suffering and hardship that happens when we think the thoughts of God and want the things that God wants. So the crosses Jesus is is calling his people to here are not just the sufferings that the sinful world brings with it. Getting cancer and undergoing chemo and all the pain that goes with it, it is not a cross in and of itself. But bearing a cross is what God's people face when they sacrifice things that are comfortable because they want to follow Jesus. And so, for example, that Christian who is the cancer patient, they endure a cross as they look at their cancer through the eyes of faith, trusting that God's plans always have the best ends and and willing to endure whatever comes and use it to God's glory. Now, the crosses that God has called you to bear might look like cancer sometimes, but most of them probably don't. Jesus tells us that we will face hardships, and these hardships become our crosses when we bear them with our will aligned with God's. Like our Lord Jesus, it is never our desire to suffer, but when suffering comes, do we see it as an opportunity to serve God and grow closer to him? Sad to say, we don't always count it a blessing, When things go south in our lives, instead we get angry. We ask why. And the rejection of our crosses really means the rejection of Jesus' cross. He says, In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If we have no desire to carry our crosses, it means we don't really value what Jesus has done for us. When we become fixated with getting out from under our crosses by any means necessary, even sinful means, we're too focused with saving our lives. And to better understand what Jesus is saying when he's talking about saving your life or losing your life, he's not talking about living or dying. He's talking about which life is more important. Which one are you going to put all of your eggs into its basket? This life or the next? Thankfully, this is why he goes. He suffers without flinching or doubting or trying to get out of it because of our failure. And his cross is the reason for our crosses. He uses our crosses to remind us of his cross. He suffered successfully. For all those times we failed. He endured when we so often wave the white flag of surrender. And he uses our crosses to further shape us and get us ready for his purposes. Like Paul writes to the Romans in our second reading this morning, suffering produces patient endurance and patient endurance produces tested character and tested character produces hope. And hope will not be put to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What comes at the end of Jesus' cross? Resurrection. A seat at the right hand of the Father. His cross leads to his crown. But the reason for his sufferings was not so that he could sit in heaven and rule. All authority was already his before he came into the world and became human. No, his resurrection sets us right with God. It frees us from our sins. His cross provides for us a crown. Our crosses end in crowns too. You know it is not your works that earn heaven, but the per- perseverance God works in you amid suffering brings you closer to him. It points you to your only source of comfort. And all the comforts of this world, that this world offers, get washed away by the deluge of life. You might have noticed that when members of our church family go to heaven, I I like to say that they they traded in their cross for a crown. Jesus' call is for us to carry our crosses in life, to suffer for the faith. It's because he's focused on our heavenly goal. This is why he came to suffer, die, and rise. So that forgiveness and salvation would be ours. But this is also why he calls us to lose this life and every temptation that it offers so that we can wear the crown of glory in paradise forever. Suffering is at the heart of our faith. So friends, live under the cross now. The crown will soon be yours. And in Christ... It already is. Amen.